This week on the Habs Forum, the Montreal Canadiens lose in overtime again. We are recording this just after the heartbreaking loss of the Pierre-Luc Dubois goal, uh, of course, in uh, in overtime to cost the Habs a win. The Duchamp has shown great things so far, so far as the head coach, but the wins just aren't coming yet. Hopefully they'll come soon. So we're going to talk about that and how they've looked under the new coach, of course. Then there was... The goalie coach getting fired in the middle of a game. Uh, Wait got fired, let go for uh, Sean Berg. A bit of a weird timing. Actually, had an interview uh, just just uh, today also. So we'll talk about his uh, comments about that and just the the press conference with Price and Bergman after. There, there just seems to be a lot of you can see the frustration in both the GM and and and, and the players in these conference. So we'll talk about that. And there's there's some prospect rumors to uh, talk about as far as trades go and. Uh, Yeah, so let's get right into it. But actually, first, Dustin, tell me who our sponsor is. The Habs Forum, still brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, and the rest of the all-star lineup at Manscaped.com. Use promo code HABSFORUM to get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. So be sure to check them out, guys. All right, sounds good. So we both... So we've been doing the predictions, of course, leading into the games. Last podcast was basically the day after the coaching change. There hadn't been a new game with uh, with the new coach. Both very excited. Both kind of hoping we get the Canadians would get that that boost you see sometimes with the new coach. And uh, it hasn't quite come. I mean, I think I say I said they'd win three in a row. You said they'd get five out of six points. It's actually been four games since the coach has been out. Only one win, and it's against the Ottawa Senators. Aside from that two overtime losses, and one 6-3 loss. I mean, not exactly what you want to see, obviously, as far as wins and losses, but I have liked how they have played overall. I- I'm still excited for the product on the ice compared to what it was before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's some positives. Um, I mean, first of all, should we keep do- <laughs> doing these predictions? We've been pretty awful so far. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, we'll, get get it, we'll get them right eventually. We'll get them right eventually. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, typically, I mean, like you said, usually when you're changing coaches, you know, you see, this, you, you, you see, uh, you know, usually the, the, they got off to a good start. You get a couple of wins, but, uh, I mean, obviously it hasn't been the case, but you know, I mean, if you want to take a look at it, uh, glass half full, they do have points in their last three games. So that's a positive, even hey, though it's hey. only one. Not not just that. Looking at it, we were talking about it before the game. I mean, they've only have one win in the last six games, but they also there's also only one game in the last six games where they haven't had a point. They just keep losing in overtime. It's just, like here's the good news, Habs fans. Overtime in the playoffs, if they do make it, is five on five. They don't have to play three on three in the playoffs. That is fantastic news. As long as they can make it to the playoffs, we can never play talk about three on three ever again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, yeah. That obviously the Canadians have not been very good at three on three. Um, I feel like even like hit like the last couple of seasons they haven't been. They, it, it, like this isn't something new. I don't think. Uh, like I don't have the stats in front of me here, but uh, well, the obviously team doesn't have the high end talent, right? No, they don't have no, the. It's a, it's a team built around depth, right? But sometimes three on three, it's really the high end talent. Like the the the, the team can't put out like Shifley and Dubois and and like. Like Ellers at the same time, uh, or like a, a, and then switch on Blake Wheeler, and like they don't have that type of high end talent to put on the ice. So you know, and, and no, 
no puck moving defenseman, right? The, Jeff Petrie is the only defenseman I feel comfortable seeing in overtime. And when he got, got, got off the ice today for Ben Sherratt, I was I was oh disgusted. I was why? What? Why? <laughs> Like, well, okay, it's true. Obviously, the Canadians do not have the best puck-moving defensemen. Uh, you know, um, I, I can understand why they wouldn't play Romanov necessarily. You know, I mean, he's he he has struggled at times. Um, you know, especially especially three on three. You know, I, I don't know about him defensively in in that in that sort of situation. Um, Edmondson and Weber probably aren't the best picks either. So maybe Sherratt is like one of the better picks, but I mean, why not Kulak? You know, I mean, Kulak seems like a perfect type of player for this sort of situation. And what I do like seeing, you know, I mean, we saw with Julien, I mean, I think the last game uh, or one of the last games that he coached, you know, he had right at the end, Dano and Army out there which is obviously not a recipe for success. And, you know, at least I I think, you know, okay, they lost tonight, obviously, in overtime um, because of that bad mistake between, uh, it was Petrie and and Armia, right? That ran out of each other. But, I mean, uh, what I really like seeing is, uh, okay, I I obviously did not like seeing Sherratt like you did. uh, I think it was the second unit that was out there. But, I mean, uh, I I thought it was pretty cool to have three forwards out there. You know, why not go Definitely. Definitely, especially when the other team is doing anyway, it. Just, so. just, yeah. just go, go toe to toe, and like it's, it's a whole thing about at that point. Just go, go for the win in overtime. Don't go not to lose. Go for the win. You're, there's gonna be breakaways. There's gonna be like things are gonna happen. Like there's gonna be chances probably on both sides, and oftentimes it's just who has that one extra chance. So just go for offense, and that's what Winnipeg has been doing this year. And they have the opposite record of the Canadians in overtime. Like they they're winning. I think now they're five and zero. They lost one in 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 the shootout. But as far as three on three goes, they're undefeated. And they play three forwards. And the whole time, I think Neil Pionk had had like a quick shift in in overtime. But aside from that, it was constantly three forwards on the ice for the, for the Winnipeg Jets. And 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 it's working. And here here's the thing. Like we talk about not having the same high end talent. We do have the depth. You know, I'd still play Petrie. Petrie's great on defense. But then at the same time. That that mistake at the end by Petrie, I'm wondering if it's because he was maybe a little overplayed in, in overtime. Because at that point, it, it seemed like he had played three of the four minutes of overtime, right? So he was he was dead, and that's when a mistake like that happens. I don't know if it was more him his fault or Armour's fault. At the end of the day, it was uh, miscommunication, and it, it's just un- unfortunate too because Allen had made some wonderful saves in that in that overtime period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Hellebuck too. I mean, both of them mm-hmm. played great in the in the overtime. Well, Hellebuck played played well. He was great the whole game, really. Uh, but yeah, I mean, why not go for it? I mean, I think if if you're playing to not lose, you're you're 100 percent going to lose. Yeah. Like, I mean, when it's three on three, put put your skilled players out there. If they're not the most def- defensively responsible guys, who cares? Exactly. You know, you're going to get your chances. It's three on three. It's it's going to be a roll of the dice. The, the the most defensive player, the best defensive player in the league, will not be able to shut down a three on three. You know what I mean? Like it's it's never going to be defensive in, in in when it's three on three. It's going to be offensive. So put your offensive weapons out there. So I was happy that they started with Kutkinemi there and. Uh, I forget who it was. So it was Kutchenyemi, Petrie, and uh, Byron. Here's the thing with Byron. I get it. He skates fast. Okay? And I, I, I love Byron, and I'm, I'm happy he's doing a bit better on the fourth line. He doesn't have that finishing touch anymore. 
that's not who I want to see in overtime either, especially not starting off the overtime. I mean, unless Dwayne was completely dead from from his last shift in regulation, I needed him to start overtime. And I would love to love to have seen him and Kutkiemi starting overtime, honestly. I know Dwayne usually plays with Suzuki, but put the hot hands out there. And Dwayne and Kutkiemi have been the two best forwards for the Montreal Canadiens since Deshaun has taken over. I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone would argue with that. They've both looked fantastic. S- start both of them on, you know? Yeah, well, I mean... You're pretty hard to discount to Foley too. I mean, you know, he's up to uh, what 14 goals now, I think. And yeah, I just mean since since Deshaun has taken over specifically, though. Yeah, they, well, I mean, they, Foley, they they have they have stepped. They to Foley had a had an empty net goal last game, and he's been fine. He had a atrocious turnover today. See, here's oh. the thing: like, like we've ju- jumped ahead to overtime so quickly. The goals today, it's so in overtime, it's it's the goal where the, the, the defenseman and the forward just bump into each other for like just kind of get lost on the ice. Two brutal turnovers, one by the goalie, one by Tyler Toffoli, who like if if that was an, a pass to his own player, it would have been a beautiful pass, but it was to the other team. And 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 then the other goal was just a bad bounce and it just went off. Um, I think Stashny's skate. You know, it, you know, one of those things that, that it's gonna happen. Now, to be fair, the Canadians kind of got it got it back with like a, ba- a bounce of their of their own. But the team didn't play bad overall. There was it's just that those when they made those boneheaded plays, Winnipeg is a team that's gonna make you pay because they have that high end talent. So that that really needs to be cut down. Those those like big 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 crucial mistakes in the defensive zone are just unacceptable. Uh, and it, it wasn't only those plays either. I mean, they had so many turnovers. Like, it, just in the first period, they had five turnovers. I think they had it, probably at least a dozen turnovers in the game. And that's that's just not going to – especially against, like you said, a talented teammate like the Jets, That's it's not going to work. <laughs> like, you you know, the, you're, you can't turn over the puck that many times. And Jake Allen was there. You know, he okay, he, di- he didn't have his best game as a Canadian tonight, uh, but he was far from, uh, you know, the, the GOAT tonight either. Uh, he, you know, he, he played a solid game. He came up with some pretty big saves, especially early on in the game. Yeah. The Canadian, I mean, the, the Jets could have scored, you know, it was two, nothing after the first period. It easily could have been three, four, nothing after the first, um, but man, the turnovers, like, you know, for as, for as good as the, the Canadians do look, um, you know, when, when they have sustained pressure in the offensive zone, it's a complete opposite in the defensive zone. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. They, they seem completely lost. Like I, it, I don't know. Just cl- clearing <laughs> the zone seems like such a pain. And yeah. the thing is, is they were dominating – like before the third goal, when it was 2-2, before the third goal from Winnipeg, they, they were dominating. They had been playing fantastic, but it just takes one bad turnover, and then the other team capitalizes. And then I, I honestly was shocked that they even made it to overtime because once Stastny scored, Winnipeg did a fantastic job of just kind, kind of keeping the, the play along the boards and just playing some dump and chase and – I think there was like 12 minutes without a whistle. It just felt like a game that was just kind of Winnipeg was doing a great job of just running out of the time and 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 it was going to be a loss. So I'm I'm ecstatic that they actually got a point uh, out of that game. But it, it, they've played so well overall outside of those mistakes. It's it, it Winnipeg couldn't even generate that much offense. Was, there was the first couple minutes where Winnipeg came out flying, and then. It, in um on the power play, even though I don't think they scored a power play goal, Winnipeg looked very good on the power play. But at five on five, they couldn't do anything. And then there'd be the thing is, is it's not like they were just turnovers because Winnipeg was pressuring them. There was a lot of unforced errors. It, like the Toffoli turnover was just he, he. There was no reason for that. that. That's completely unacceptable. And same thing for for the third goal where that that, that was on Allen. I mean, he he dropped his shoulder on the shot. I mean, 
it was a great shot, but I'm talking more about the play that led to that, where he kind of shot it on the boards. He had Schrott on the other side. It was all by himself, and then he kind of shoots it around the boards, puts Weber in a tough position, and Weber, you know, he, he's not definitely not 25 anymore. I'll tell you that much. And so he, he he he, but he did get put in a tough position there, and it resulted in the goal. So it's it's those types of things that just kind of gave those opportunities to Winnipeg. The bright spot is those are things the team should be able to figure out. And then if they, they, they figure that out and they keep playing the way they are five on five, I, I, I do like the way they're playing. I do like the way they're playing. I think this team's going to turn it around. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, yeah, they really just have to clean it up on the defensive uh, on the defensive side. Um, you know, it's, it, it's it's not just the defenseman either. I mean, it, it's the team as a whole. They sort of yeah. seem to seem lost a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if it's they're they're trying to break out too fast. I mean, we know Dominic Duchamp, he he likes going for more of an offensive approach, um, you know, going on the counterattack. And I and and I think almost like they're they're trying to jump out of the zone too fast. And and when they get that turnover, that's why you saw kind of like Perot on that goal um, yeah. when he slowed off the Foley. Like everyone was already gone basically, yeah. and he was there by himself. So I think maybe that's that's sort of what it is. But yeah, I mean, I think. They, it hopefully is something that can be easily corrected. Um, you know, it, we knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, Duchamp couldn't, you know, put his system into place right, right off the bat. It's something that's, it's, you know, it, it's definitely not too similar to what Julien was doing. So it is, it, it is a pretty, um, pretty big adjustment. And it's something that, you know, is, is takes a little bit of time. And I think we're already starting to see the, the fruit of that. And, you know, it, it's, it's just a couple little corrections here and there. But uh, man, the power play, the Canadians. Power oh my play. God! Wow, it's it's just night and day. It's night, night and day. It and it just transforms these two wins. Well, not these two. We lost today, but <laughs> the win against Ottawa, and then today just getting a point. I mean, the only one goal goal in the power play, but it, it's what started the uh, started the comeback after being down two nothing. Two goals on the on the power play in the uh, against Ottawa. It just it it just completely different and just. Of course, stop trying to do the Shea Weber one-timer constantly. Mm. I mean, is it Burroughs who's great, or is it just Kirk Muller that was completely out of his element at this point? Like, I'm not sure which one it is, but I don't want to take credit away from Burroughs because it looks fantastic. Oh, absolutely. No, to me, it's definitely Burroughs because it, it looks exactly like what the Rocket have been doing, mm. you know, since, since Burroughs got – it's not, you know, they're they're constantly moving the puck. They're taking a lot of shots from the slot. They're they're, you know, it, they're not just shooting it back to the defenseman, shooting it back to Petrie, getting it to Weber, constantly loading it up to the defenseman. You know, it's they're getting, they're 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 getting people in front of the net. They're making those shots from the slot. They're passing it, you know, from from the from like the sideboards into the slot. Um, yeah, I mean, they're doing exactly what the Rocket have been doing, and, and they've the Rocket have been super successful over the last year, year and a half, with Alex Burroughs running the power play, and, and we're seeing the exact same thing with the Canadians now. So it's, uh, yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's crazy, like, the progress, it, it, and, and so so fast. You know, and he's only been here for, like, a week. And it's not something that can be that should be downplayed. Like, I, th- I feel like sometimes we, we, we underappreciate how crucial – special teams can be because like last year we kept seeing it if it, it, it can change a, a, where a team is in the standings completely because if you're the worst team on the power play you lose momentum you you you, you can't make a comeback I like so many one goal losses or games that end up going to overtime and what have you that end up being wins in regulation because you get that goal on the power play it makes 
such a huge difference. And if, if they can keep it up, that that's the thing that's really going to transform the team the most. Because th- when the team was doing good a few years ago, like at this point, it feels like forever ago. But when the team was kind of at the best we had seen in a while, when they made it to the conference final and all that, that's back when Markov was still there and the power play looked very good. And it really hasn't been good since Markov left. They've had a hard time figuring out a system without him. And it's showed in the standings, right? It's 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 it, there's a direct correlation. Like you, you need a good power play, and especially come playoff time too. But th- this team is so good five on five already, and they have been. I mean, there's been an issue with finishing and all that. Like even under Julien when they were struggling, the five on five play was still pretty solid. But you add you add in being able to play on the on the power play too. Now the PK though, they didn't allow a goal today, but they they looked didn't look great. They, and and there was that one shot by. Uh, uh, what's his name? Kyle Connor. He, I think he hit the post. He had an open open net there. They easily could have gone in. Winnipeg was kind of doing whatever they want on the PK. Yeah, I mean the PK all really the whole this whole season. Uh, you know, I think hasn't really been that great. Um, and I mean, like I feel like the Canadians have so many good penalty killers too, right? I mean, like you know, uh, they have it's, so many it's good sort of in their their bread forward. and butter the last couple of seasons, right? They have well, good exactly. Forwards. Good forwards. Not, not not good defensemen as far as the, like yeah. it's just. Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt have taken a huge step back. Here's the thing. Shea Weber has like he has regressed tremendously, I, I think. But but last year. But he is still a very, very strong player uh, smart player with a lot of experience. And I do believe that he can have a good few years here, even as he's getting older and slowing down. But you have to pair him up with the right guy. He can't be paired up with a guy like Ben Sherratt anymore. That just doesn't work. There needs to be a quicker, puck-moving kind of guy next to him. Maybe that guy is Romanov, and I get it. Maybe he's not ready, Romanov, to get those big minutes yet, and you don't want to kind of hurt his progression. So maybe that's why they're not doing it. But I don't know who else you can put there next to him. I mean, is it even Kulak? Like, I don't know. And also, he doesn't need to be playing top defensive minutes anymore. Like, I haven't looked at the minutes for today's game, but it's pretty obvious that to everyone, I hope that Petrie should be playing the top minutes for this team. And Edmondson is a very good. Last game against Ottawa, he was one of the best players on the team. He's fantastic. And he's another player that, that has done really well since Deshaun has taken over after uh, after KK and and, uh, and Drouin. So play Petrie and Edmondson as the top pairing and then just put someone else next to Weber and Sherrod can be on the third pairing. That just, that just needs to happen soon. Yeah, we we were talking about this. And I was th- I was thinking about it as I was watching the game. We talked about it right before we started recording, and <laughs> definitely not going to be a popular opinion probably amongst Habs fans. But who has been the worst Canadians defenseman this season? Probably Ben Sherrod. Yeah, and the number and two is Shea Weber. Very close second. Yeah. Very close second is Shea Weber. Yeah. They've both been really bad. I mean, Shea Shea Weber, yes, you know, it's it's a speed that gets him into trouble a lot, but you know, he he. Generally, you know, I mean, he 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 has his good moments for sure. Ben Sherrod has just been terrible all around. He hasn't done anything good this season, really. But yeah, I mean, that you know, Shea Weber. I mean, just in the last 12 months, how much has he regressed? Like you know, last season he was fantastic. Um, you know, bef- well, you, I mean, I mean, he, he was pretty good last. Season. I mean, like yeah, like it's not let's not overrate. Like Shea Weber has been yeah. trending down, I think. Uh, and and I, I I but I think the big difference here is that. As defensemen, the way defensemen like Shea Weber, like we can compare him to to Chara in in his later years, uh, is that you you need to start being smart with who's playing next to him. 
mm-hmm. and it's and just Ben Sherratt's not the guy. And and I know it worked for a while last year, and he he kind of Sherratt struggled at first, and it got better. Then he did pretty good in the playoffs. But I, I think that's just Sherratt was playing over his head a little bit, and and it just he had a good stretch, what have you. But if you just look at the type of defenseman he is, it's not the type of defenseman you want next to your kind of aging, big, slower defenseman. Who, who, and there's still a lot of value to Shea Weber. Don't get me wrong, but it, you, you need to have quickness next to him. You need, and that's the big thing with like as much as I think Edmondson, I'm, I'm kind of warming up to him, and he's had a, a, some good few games. I still stand by what we said when he was signed is that that's not really what the Canadians needed, you know? Like, I've liked Edmondson more than Sherratt, but we already had Sherratt when we signed Edmondson, right? Mm-hmm. The the issue is that what was needed there is kind of more of a puck-moving defenseman. And and I, I think – I do think I'm that Romanov is, it has to be the answer sooner rather than later. And I get that they maybe don't want to put him in those, like, tough um, – big minutes yet because he's so young but that's why you what happens is you move petrie and edmondson up as the kind of number one pairing and then you put romanov there with weber as a number two pairing that, that that's what makes the most sense to me and it'll be good for romanov's progression to get to play next to shea weber that's for sure i'd give it a shot i mean it, i think especially with with dominic duchamp the way that he plays it, do, it especially doesn't make sense to have yeah. weber and Shira playing together now um yeah i mean romanov Sure. I mean, he's still kind of green. We know that he, you know, For he's sure. had, he's had, you know, yeah, some flashes some, and bad moments, you know, the last, uh, last couple of weeks, last month or whatever. Um, but you know, why not give it a shot? I'm sure he, it, it would be great for him to play beside Shea Weber, you know, a veteran like that. That'd be awesome. Uh, Kulak, man. I mean, I think Kulak makes, you know, he, he, sh- he should probably be playing more in, in mm-hmm. Dominic Duchamp's, uh, and who would be a really good defenseman to play, I think, you know, would be Victor Mete. Maybe yeah. not on the top pairing necessarily, but Victor Mete should definitely be playing. I mean, uh, you know, Ben Sherratt, yeah, you should sit him. I mean, he, yeah, he definitely basically. deserves to be sitting. It's, and the thing is, is like, like you're saying, in Duchamp's system, what we're seeing a lot is that you have one defenseman kind of pinching with the play, and you have one defenseman staying back. And, and so what happens with that type of system, it's a type of system where you really want to have that kind of classic pairing where you have one puck-moving defenseman and one more stay-at-home defenseman because then they can play their respective roles. But what's going on with the Ben Schrott and Shea Weber pairing is you have Shea Weber staying back, and just today we, we saw Ben Schrott pinching like three, four t- different times, and then the, the play just dies on his stick. That's just not his game. I mean, we're honestly setting him up to fail, and I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with your idea of potentially benching him, but at the same time, I think if Ben Schrott was moved down to a third pairing – where he's playing more kind of, you know, like safer minutes and maybe he's got, I don't know, Kulak or even Mete next to him. I don't think he looks that bad. I think he does okay in a role that's more suited to his skill set. But now too much is being asked of him and it's exposing him and it's it's going to kill his confidence eventually. It's, it's just, it just, it needs to be switched soon because they, they just stand out those two when they're on the ice and it's, un, it's, we can't be the only ones to see it. But the thing is, though, I think what Zushama is doing, because he, he's barely shuffled the lines. Like, like on offense, the only change has happened is because Anderson got injured. Mm-hmm. And then on defense, nothing has changed at all, basically. I think Zushama, his idea here is he wants to put in a system. And he's he said that it's going to take some time. It's going to take a few practices. It's like one thing at a time. And I think his idea here is that he wants to put in his system first, but he wants to make sure to keep the players that know how to play together together while they're learning the system. And once his system is in place and the players understand uh, how he wants them to play, 
that's when he's going to start moving the defense and the, the forwards around. So the, the, that's what my guess is because so far he's barely moved the lines around at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's definitely a good point. Um, maybe that's what he's waiting for. Um, yeah, because I mean, it, it, it's definitely not working right now. You know, Sherratt and Weber. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe moving down Sherratt to the third pair. You know, that probably makes sense. You know, put him put him more in a position to you know for success and you know, like a good defensive pairing, you know, potentially playing him with Romanov or Victor Mete. Mm-hmm. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, if it doesn't work out, man, they got some good guys in Laval too. There would be some good puck yeah. defensemen. Otto Liskinen has been one of the best, probably the best, maybe the best player on Laval. And he's been one of the def- best defensemen really in uh, in the AHL. He's been great. Xavier Willette, we know he can play in the NHL. Gustav Olofsson as well, all left-handed defensemen. Uh, and like, you know, some of these guys could make sense as well, but, uh, you know, what they're doing right now with uh, Ben Sherratt and Weber playing on the, f- the top minutes definitely doesn't make sense. They have, they have to do something there. That's for sure. And I, I, th- I think it'll come. I think, I, I really do think that it's just kind of just taking his time with the changes and, and, and part of me, when I stop to think about it, it makes me kind of. Because we talked about when Jashan's press conference, when he got brought onto the team, he seems very calm. And he himself said, I've, he compared it to being someone who studied for a test for a long time. Like he's, he, he, he's prepared and he's calm and he's not kind of overreacting. And I know it, it's frustrating because it, they were losing before and they're still losing now. You, and you want that quick change, right? But if, if it takes a bit more time for the system to come into play, and for the change to happen and slow, slower changes, like I'm willing to give Deshaun the benefit of the like it's it's been a week, it's been a week, it's given him a second, and we have seen if you're watching the games that we have seen a huge difference in the style of play, and I I much prefer watching what we're watching. And like if we're gonna talk about positives a little bit here, Drouin has looked incredible, and I I have. I have bad mouth the way on this podcast. I have said about and uh, the one thing I always talked about is inconsistency. So of course here we're going to want to see if he can keep it up, but he just seems happier, and he just seems he just seems incredibly motivated. And he was uh, he was on the ice either today or yesterday. He he was the last one off the ice, like kind of practicing, and he just seems like he has a new life with Jusham. It's it's like he 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 must feel like he's back in in junior where he he had the best. Like time of his career, right, where he dominated with with McKinnon with him. So, I, I he is poised to explode, and he's it's already happening, and I'm here for it. And I will gladly admit I was wrong, and it was never Drouin that was the problem, and it was Julien. It's beautiful to watch. He still needs a little bit of confidence because he's not shooting the puck enough. Like we saw it today. The the the, the and the, there was one play where he deeped out the whole Winnipeg team, and then he took a bit of a weak backhand shot, and I think he still had some space to kind of bring it to his forehand and take a better shot. And I think he'll get there. I think he's just, he's getting confidence more and more. And over time, same thing. He had a chance to shoot. He he did a bit of a drop pass to Ben Sherratt. So, of course, the play died because it went to Ben Sherratt. But it's going to come. And I, he's got, I think he's he's poised to blow up. And uh, that, that'll that'll transform the team. Oh, definitely. I mean, and, and it's not just him either, right? I mean, Kakuniemi, he probably had his, uh, you know, against Ottawa, his maybe his best game as a Canadian. Yeah, and ab- even absolutely. tonight, you know, even tonight he, he looked really good. And, you know, we know he's not playing necessarily with the most skilled wingers either, right? He's playing with Lekkanen or Armia. Um, you know, once once Anderson comes back, he'll, I mean, who knows who he's going to have on his wing, but, you know, it, it'll be hope, 
well, it should be someone that's a little bit more skilled than Armia and Lekin. Oh, for sure. And you see it on the power play. And the a big reason why the power play has been doing well, I mean, of course, it's Burrow's system, but Kutkin Yemi has been probably the, the shining. Like even though he has he, he didn't get an assist on today's power play, he was still part of the play that created it. He, he, if I'm not mistaken, he had two assists on uh, or he had at least one assist on the the power play of the last game. But he's the one who's kind of like kind of leading the play. And but what's happening five on five is you know nothing against Army and, and Byron, but you know Katkiemi does a bunch of stuff and then eventually the play just dies because there's no one to to send the puck to. Army got had a few chances, but you know it is what it is with Army. And I, I hope we see Anderson with because I know Anderson was playing with. With Drouin and um, and Suzuki, and I was going doing well, but Toffoli's doing well in there too, and I think like Toffoli is more kind of a finisher, right? Like he, he he's there to score. Maybe he won't create as much, and and Anderson is, is similar, but he can create a bit more, I think, with speed and he's got the size and all that. I, I'd love to see him next to Kutkinyemi. I I I think you add a, a winger like that to Kutkinyemi's wing, and oh, without that would look great. That would look very very good. And and I think, you know, well, Armia would probably still be on that third line. Mm-hmm. And I think having a big body like Anderson on that line would probably open up a little bit more space for Armia. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Armia, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he I think he gets shit on a lot more than than he deserves because he he's he's a guy that can put up some goals. I, I don't know what his career high is, but I'm you know, he's. Has he scored 20 goals before? I'm sure he has. But he, he's has. best suited as the third best player on his line, on a good line. You, you which, know what which I mean? Which would be the case. Exactly, which, which would be, would the, be case the case. Which is not the, qua- the case with uh, with Paul Byron next to him, right? No, no, for sure. So, yeah, if I'm taking a look at his uh, his career high, he's, he scored he 16 goals in last season. games, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's basically yeah, that's a twenty goal p- pace. So I mean, uh, you know, he's definitely a guy that can score. Uh, and I think yeah, if, if he's playing with Anderson and Kukiemi, that's definitely putting him in a good position. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that would be great, and that that would give us three solid scoring lines. Yeah. And Lekin and you know moving down to the fourth line, that's probably where where he should be <laughs> at this yeah. point. You know, playing as playing as much as possible on the PK, but. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think once Anderson comes back, I mean, that's that'll open things up for. But know, for something the I I would like to see because, but like I said before, I do think there has been very little line shuffling because Deshaun was kind of putting in his system. But as it is right now, like let's say Anderson was out for a long period, which he's not. He seems very close to returning. They're just taking their time with him. But if he was, I would want like Dano to switch with Kotkaniemi ASAP because like that Dano like he's he he's he's trying hard and all, but like it's just the offense isn't there. And I think kind of like how we talked about Domi last year, where we were wondering, are we seeing Domi in a slump or are we seeing the real Domi? You know, and he maybe was playing a little over his head in previous seasons. With Dano, I do think he can produce a bit more than he is now, but. At the end of the day, I don't think he's ever going to be a big offensive guy, and I'd love to see Kudkiemi playing with with uh, with Gallagher and Tatar because those are two guys that can score goals and they can do and they could be like really well served having an offensive guy on uh, on the wing. I'll be happy to have Anderson next to them if if, if that was what it is. But these last few games, I would have loved to see Kudkiemi playing with those guys because I think he can produce significantly more offense for that line than Philip Deno has in these last two games. Yeah, I think the Tatar would probably welcome a change as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he For hasn't sure. necessarily been having his best season either. I mean, I, I have noticed him a little bit more the last couple of games. He has, you know, he's he 
even though it really hasn't been going in and hasn't necessarily been working for him, he has been, he, he, you see him more. Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, maybe him playing with Kukin, I mean, maybe that's what, what he needs, you know, to, 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 to get going again, but obviously it's not, it's not working right now with Dano and, yeah. and, uh, and Tatar. You need to split them up. I, I mean, and, I know and why they Gallagher has been getting goals, but it's on the power play. It's not, it's not happening five on five. Right. So it, it's it, that, that line, as far as offensive production, and it's, I feel like it's a waste because now basically they're being used to shut down. And like Dano can still do that. And then Dano, still, he still wins face off. He can still shut down a line. But it's a waste to have that line do that with Gallagher and Tatar if they're not also producing. Because Dano can do that with Lekkonen and Armia or Byron, you know? Like, he, he doesn't need to have Gallagher. And then if you put Gallagher and Tatar, who have played for seasons as more of a shutdown line, who, who can be more responsible, especially Gallagher can, can, can be very helpful on uh, to, to his center. You, you put Kutkinyemi with him. Like, I'd love to see Kutkinyemi and Gallagher. And not even just for... Like the, the 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 defensive presence and all, all that Gallagher something with Gallagher that doesn't get talked about a lot and I I saw it multiple times in uh, I think it was against Ottawa is that he helps Danu on the faceoffs he is so quick on the puck on the faceoff I mean don't don't want to take anything from, away from Danu as far as his faceoff ability but some often you see where it's kind of almost even at the dot and then it's one of the wingers comes in and kind of wins the faceoff for for a center. Gallagher is amazing at that, and that could go a long way for a guy like Kutkinyemi, who has improved on the draw, but you know it's it's, it's not quite where we want it to be uh, yet. So uh, that that's a pairing I'd love to see the, the the those two together. But you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not too worried about Jushal not shuffling the lines. I think it'll come. It's it's hard to believe it's only been a week. You know, it's just in this COVID times, everything seems to go slowly. It feels like Jushal's been coach for longer, but it's only been a week. It's only been a week. It's okay. <laughs> It's true. It really does. Eh? Well, I think we like. It feels like we like. I mean, that's that's been the talk, right? Uh, the, yeah. It's been talked about so much on Twitter. Um, I mean, this is the second time we're talking about it now. I mean, um, you know, it, it. That's all everybody's been talking about, really. So I guess it's not not that surprising that it feels like uh, he's been the coach for a couple of weeks now. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's only been four games. Obviously, he wasn't able. He wasn't going to be able to change everything. You know, in 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 a week, obviously that, that hasn't happened, but I, I think we're seeing, even though the results haven't necessarily been there, you know, he's one, one and two right now. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of positives anyway. Uh, I think they're playing better. They just need to really figure out what's going on defensively and get more organized in, in their own defensive zone. But uh, I mean, I think it's going to come and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of positives and, and reason to be to be hopeful for the next couple of weeks. And, and hopefully we see them continue to uh, continue to evolve. Yeah, for sure. And let's not forget the, the one regulation loss wasn't exactly Carey Price's best game. Right. The the the, the six three loss against uh, against against Winnipeg, you know. So it's 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 not that's not like something that you can put on the on the on the system necessarily. So and if, if you're watching these games and you're saying, oh, the coach change made made no, no difference, you're all, either being dishonest or you're you're not actually watching the games because the the way they're playing is vastly different and it's it's looked a, a lot better. So I'm I. I'm still excited to see what's what, what's to come, and let, let's not downplay Winnipeg, right? The, the Winnipeg were at this point are second in the division. Uh, I think they're a very good team. They're a team that has fantastic offense. They have a lot of weapons on offense, like more than the Canadians do. If you're talking about top end weapons, 
they have a pretty bad defense. So they got dismantled because like Buffalo left out of nowhere. They 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 lost some defensemen there. But they also have the best goaltender in the division right now, I, I think. You know, Markstrom might be there too. I mean, obviously, Carey Price isn't in that conversation right now, the way he's been playing. He has been fantastic so far this year. So they're a good. They're, this is a good team that the Canadians have, have, have lost three times in a row to, but twice in overtime. Hopefully, they can win the next one. They're going to have to beat them eventually, right? But this, is, this isn't a bad team. This is not like losing to Ottawa uh, or, uh, or, or, or Vancouver or whatever. So... You yeah, know, no, they're, they're it, definitely it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people, uh, definitely including myself, underrated them coming into the season. Like you said, I mean, especially because of their defense, their defense yeah. definitely isn't that great. I mean, um, you know, is have, one of their like top defensemen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, they do have Neil Pionk, they have yeah. uh, you know Josh Morrissey, so they, I mean, you know, they they do have some positives there, but I mean, they do they you know they have that top end talent. You know, Mark Shifley, they have uh, Ehlers, you know, Kyle Connor. Yeah. Be Blake Wheeler, you know, he's getting up there, but, uh, but, you know, you touched on it, Connor Hellebuck, who, you know, I, I mean, you said, you know, the best goaltender in the North division. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. And I think he might be the best goal, goaltender in the NHL. I think he's probably, and this sounds kind of crazy to say it because he was a Vezina winner last year, but I think he might be the most underrated goalie in the NHL. He, he doesn't get enough love. I think, I mean, he is, He's amazing. He's the only, you know, he's he's the biggest reason that Winnipeg has had any success the last couple of years. And I mean, he's we saw him last uh, tonight. You know, I mean, he, he let in three goals, but, you know, he made some fantastic saves that save on Byron in overtime. Yeah. He made a couple of couple of saves, you know, early uh, earlier on in the game that, you know, kept them kept them in front, you know, when it was two nothing. But I mean, Connor Hellebuck's fantastic. But, I think uh, the Canadian division overall is a bit stronger than we uh, expected it to be, uh, like mainly at, at, at the top. I mean, I mean Cal- Calgary's still a bit of a question mark to me, but Edmonton has figured figured it out a bit more too. I mean, they've lost three in a row actually, and it's been really, really bad against the Leafs lately. But it, it, they can turn it on at times, and they have that top end talent, you know. So the, the the North division isn't as bad as some people like to say in it. Winnipeg, I don't want to see Winnipeg in the playoffs. With with Connor Hellebuck, Connor Hellebuck looks like a goaltender that can absolutely steal a series. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I, I definitely wouldn't want to be playing Winnipeg um, for sure. I mean, they're they're going to be a tough out for anybody. You know, anytime you have a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck or Carey Price, if when if, if he hopefully yeah. finds his game eventually, I wouldn't want to be playing the Canadians either with the depth. Um, as- I mean, I, I think we'll definitely make the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we're we're going to be it's, in the top. It's, it, it's no it's no guarantee right now. It's no yeah, like it's I want to believe it too. And Calgary, yeah. here's the thing: Calgary, like Ottawa, uh, Ottawa are better than we thought they were, but they're still Ottawa. I mean, I, I think if you're an Ottawa fan, there's a lot of positives to be taken this year because you were supposed to be terrible, but a lot, a lot of your kids are showing a lot of heart and playing hard. So, but they're still not going to make the playoffs. Vancouver is terrible. I mean, I they must play better against other team. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm curious to play against them uh, again, see <laughs> see how that goes. But just uh, we talk about bad defense. I mean, that that's as bad as it gets. But the thing with Calgary is, Marstrom is a big part of that team, and he's been out for a few uh, for 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 about a week. So that, that that's hurt them in uh, in, the, in the last few games. But as it is right now, if, if the Canadians keep losing to Winnipeg, Winnipeg is going to hold on to that number two spot, and they're going to be fighting for three and four is going to be fought between Edmonton. Montreal and Calgary and I don't think it's going to be an easy fight no it's it's going to be tough for sure but uh, uh 
you know, if, if they can continue to show positive that they've, that they've shown over the last, uh, well, over the last week with, uh, with Duchamp, you know, I think they're on the right track again. I mean, the results, we haven't seen the results necessarily yet, but uh, I think the Canadians are going to get there. We're, we're on the right track. No, for sure. Uh, for sure. So I, and, and I just honestly, part of me just, just wants to get back to, to today was refreshing because the game was fun. And I know, I know winning is the most important thing, but at the beginning of the year, it was just so fun to watch them play, like regardless of them winning. And they got so boring. They closed Junior, put in his system, and and it's just so boring to watch. Terrier's system could be very boring to, to to watch at times. And it's just exciting to have a coach who seems to have a system that's a bit more exciting. And just just look at Dwayne, what he's doing. And it's like you're seeing those flashes. You used to see highlights of him in Junior, or, or this. There's this one, uh, like. The gif of him like in, in overtime with Tampa Bay that's going around on, on Twitter where he looked amazing. It's like a part of Dwayne that's kind of been like buried for the last few years. And to, to, to see that type of offensive skill being allowed to kind of you know, blossom is it, just, it's just great. I just want to watch, have fun watching the Canadians again. That's all I want really. Yeah. And even, even though they did lose tonight, like, you know, it, at least they showed some fight to come back into the 100%. game. Hundred Like when they went down to nothing, Absolutely. This is over. (laughs) I mean, do I even want to watch the rest of this game? Like I knew we were doing the pod, so I'm like, okay, well, I better. Yeah. And then, then, like you said before, when they scored uh, that, when uh, Stasny scored the third goal, I was like, yeah, this is definitely over. You know, the, I mean, it, you know, right after Winnipeg had a couple of more chances to score and it looked like they were shutting it down and, you know, they fought back to, uh, to tie it up, you know, a bit of a lucky bounce there. Well, it was a nice tip. I, the, by that was a nice tip. The, 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 yeah, the lucky bounce yeah. was more on the other goal. And yeah. that's not, not to be downplayed is uh, Corey Perry uh, on he because we talked about how great Connor Hellebuck was. But Corey Perry did such a good job on that screen. Connor Hellebuck had no idea what was happening with that puck. Uh, he, he's been a he's been used very well in the power play. And I mean, I know this wasn't a power play goal, but still six on five. You know, he, he Corey Perry is a fantastic fourth line player to have on this team. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, you know, he's not the same player he used to be, that's for sure. But, you know, if he's played in the right role, then, yeah, then absolutely, exactly. I mean, he's definitely an asset to have. Exactly, exactly. In the right role. that That's that's the key right there, which is what's not happening with a lot of our defensemen. Uh, right. It, it's weird to watch him, though, because when the way he skates, it's it, it kind of reminds me of how Gary Price looking, looks in net, right? Because Gary Price gets a lot of slack because he looks like he doesn't care sometimes. And I don't think that's true i just think that's just kind of like his body style and his language Corey perry he looks like he puts as much effort as we do when we play our beer league sometimes you know <laughs> but he still does the right play and then he gets in players faces as far as like being aggressive and all that so like i do think he cares but i don't it's, it's weird I, I i'm not used yeah. to watching him play as much when he was younger i'd be curious to compare but he's getting the job done that's all that counts that's one of the things that drives me crazy, though, about when when people talk about that Carey Price doesn't seem like he uh, like like he cares. That's what I want to see from a goalie. Like you, I don't want my goalie to be like this fiery guy that's like, mm-hmm. you know, pissed off all the time. I, that's what I want to see. A guy that's like nonchalant. That okay, if he lets in a bad goal, he's he's gonna not show any emotion and he's just gonna move on to the next, you know, to the next shot. Um, and I think most goalies are like that. I mean, I don't. <laughs> okay, Patrick Waugh, we all know. Okay, well, see, that's you know, the thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, like, that, Patrick Waugh is still very much like if I talk about the Montreal Canadiens to my dad, he's talking to me about how Price is not Patrick Waugh. You know, it's stupid, 
But you know, like we, there's a whole generation, you know, that 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 are still, and it's they're all the same age as the reporters that cover the Montreal Canadiens, yeah. and they are the, all they all expect. That's why it's been so tough to be a goaltender in Montreal for years, and. Carey Price has provided some stability, but even in his best years, there were still players that kind of people that acted like Carey Price that was never good enough, right? And always the comparisons to Hua all the time. The 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 the. the but I, I get what you mean. Like you want the calmness, you want the the, the steadiness. But I mean, we're talking about Price, so we might as well move into the 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 Stephen Waite uh, firing. I mean, and specifically uh, in the press conference about the firing, Bergevin. Kind of he he got some questions from the press about how like it seems like like so one of the reporters I don't know who it was but it said something about how like does price need to be more accountable and Benjamin looks so pissed he 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 was basically saying what do you mean not accountable like, do you think he doesn't care like he he price cares more than anyone else he knows he hasn't been playing good enough he he of course knows and he. Price wants to win so bad. You can see it more in the end of, at the end of the season when when he's been when it's been kind of like when they're when they're out when they're eliminated. Like he, that's where you see a bit more of his emotion. He wants to win. He just doesn't show it in by smashing his stick on his goalpost when he lets in a bad goal. But that's not that's not a bad thing. I no, hope he figures it out. You don't want to see that. What you, I, no. I mean, I wouldn't want to see that for my goalie. So I, I don't see what and like what what do you what, like what do the media expect? Like he's going to be like. Just smashing the table and crying and fuck who knows what else like during during the during the media questions like what do you expect from him obviously I mean, he, you know he knows he, he looked, gets all the blame for this he looks so over it though he looks <laughs> so over in the like he looked annoyed that he even had to be there which is fair enough because do you think there's a lot of markets where if the 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 goalie coach got fired that the next day both the starting goaltender and the GM would have to have like 15 minute press conferences about it. Like, I don't think there'd be that many marks where that, that, that would happen. Like maybe the GM, cause it was his decision, but the fact, the fact that price even had to be, he looked, he just didn't want to be there <laughs> honestly. And I mean, they made it clear that it, but, but what do you think about that? Though? Cause it kind of came out, it came out of left field with, with the timing specifically. Cause I, I still don't understand why that just didn't happen at the time that they fired um, Julien and Muller, like it's it's yeah. so weird. I mean, just just firing Stefan Wade, like I I don't see why that is such a big deal. Why you know? Hundred percent. I mean, like okay, he when he when he got here, Carey Price got off to a great start at first, but uh, obviously he's regressed. That well, maybe not regressed, but obviously he hasn't played his best hockey. Uh, who ha- exactly has Stefan Wade been doing a good job with? Because We've been talking about for years that our backup goaltending has been awful. Yeah. And he's not only responsible for Carey Price, he's also responsible for whoever the backup is. Yeah. And obviously that hasn't worked out. And we've we've had some guys that, you know, if, if like Keith Kincaid, I thought he was going to be a great <laughs> goalie. And that obviously didn't work out. He, he had had success elsewhere. And then when he got here, completely flopped. I mean, he was falling off, to be fair. We can't put it all on. No, no. On it's it's obviously not only Stefan Wade either. But uh, Charlie Lindgren, when he first signed signed to the Canadians, he looked fantastic. His first couple of years in, uh, I don't know if it was in Hamilton or St. John. I think it was in St. John. He was fantastic. But, you know, last couple of years, he hasn't progressed whatsoever if anything he's he's probably worse than a couple of years ago so really the only good uh, any the only goaltenders that have had any success really or progressed at all in the canadians organization are caden primo and michael mcnivett who are both in laval 
and I don't think Stefan Wade has a lot to do with it. No. It's Marco Marciano, who is the goalie coach for the Laval. Who's Rocket. been working very closely with Price. Uh, and the, and the, so basically he's the interim uh, goalie coach until – because Sean Burke has to uh, – has to go through uh, quarantine before he can uh, he can join the team. And if if you follow the the team on Twitter and any of the kind of the beat reporters on Twitter, Mar- Marco, what is it, Marco? Marco Marciano. Yeah, Marco Marciano. He's been working nonstop with Carey Price. I'm I'm kind of he, he obviously had a solid game against uh against uh, Ottawa. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to play against uh, Winnipeg on on Saturday. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see that, and we're already sent, seeing some progression. And here's the thing: it's one of those situations where. Price, it's not like he all of a sudden forgot how to play, be a goalie, right? Like, but there there was fundamentals where he was doing wrong, where he used to do it right, and sometimes you just need a change of pace. You just need kind of a new message, someone else to come in and and kind of tweak things in a different way because he's already seen what um, Stefan White has to say for the last seven years. So if White isn't adapting, he still has the same methods. I mean. It doesn't. It's not going to fix anything if you keep trying the same thing constantly. So, so it, it makes sense. But I just come back to the to, to, to the timing being odd. Uh, like, what happened that he didn't want to fire him a week ago, but he wanted to fire him today? And actually, wait, had an interview today on um, what is it, ninety-eight uh, five on like fr- French radio. Yeah, yeah, uh, so. So his his answer is in French. So this is this is uh, translated. Uh, so it's obviously not an exact quote. But he was asked if he saw it coming, and he says no, not at all. Especially since a week before, when Claude and Kirk got fired, uh, they, we've been told that it's up to us to put it back together, and it's our job to do it, and all that. So, I mean, it it sounds like he didn't want him fired. It just like, doesn't what make happened? sense. Something. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously, we're we're never going to know the true story. No. Um, but something obviously had to have happened yeah. because there, there's no reason. Um, I mean, you know, Marc Bergevin had to re- had to obviously when he fired Claude Julien and Kirk Muller had to respond to all these questions from the journalists and deal with with the, the whole circus that it is. Why would he wait another week to go through the exact same thing again? Yeah. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you not just fire everybody at the same time? I, I just, and and another thing, Sean Burke has to go into quarantine right now. If yeah. you knew why, if you knew you were going to do this, and it was and it wasn't just a snap decision, why would he not have already been quarantined? Yeah. And now you now you have to take out take Marco Marciano from Laval and bring him to Montreal for two weeks. And now and I mean the the Laval Rocket are already shorthanded because they lost Alex Burroughs. Francois Bouillon yeah. is currently you know taking care of his Francis role. Bouillon. What did I say? François. François Bouillon. Oh, yeah, Francis Bouillon. Uh, yeah, but so it, it it just none of it makes sense whatsoever. Uh, I mean, uh, well, one hypothesis I've seen thrown out there is that now that Duchamp is the head coach, he's kind of – he saw some things and he maybe – he's the one that went to Bergevin and was like, I'm thinking a change is, is needed here. But, but then at the same time, that doesn't necessarily make sense to me because it's not like Duchamp came from outside. He was already – an assistant coach for the Montreal Canadiens. He was already very much involved with the team. So he, 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 I don't know what could have happened where there's something he didn't realize was a problem before that he now, a week of being the head coach, he realizes is, is, a, is a problem. So if he had known already, he would have mentioned it at the time of hiring or, or, or what have you. So it, it just seems odd. But like you said before, I don't, I don't care about the – like I'm, who cares, first of all? And Sean Burke has plenty of history of doing well. I mean he was he was with Arizona for a while. Who've, the one bright spot they've had 
has been some some solid goaltenders have come out of there uh, here and there in the last uh, in the last few years, and he was obviously a solid goaltender when he was in the NHL. So I'm I'm not against the move. It's just it's like it's like Bergevin, and he seemed so annoyed in the press conference. Like he seemed so angry at all the questions. He's like always yelling the answers. <laughs> he he definitely <laughs> seems like he's taking this to heart and he's stressed out. And it's just yeah. it's just like I don't I I think he cares. That's that that's for sure. Uh, yeah. But it's well, like I think you did that, it I mean, to yourself. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Like, what you know, he's going through this a sec all over again. Yeah. What he went through last week. So that's why it just it doesn't make any sense. And uh, I mean, who knows what exactly the real reason is? But like, it almost. And again, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but you know, it almost uh, sense seems like it's a little. He he's desperate at this point. Yeah. And that's why he he made like this snap decision. Like, okay, you know, I, I he he saw Carey Price play. And okay, I thought changing the coach was going to change things, but uh, no, I have to do something else. Yeah. So I, I mean, I hope that's not not the case. Um, you know, I mean, again, we're never going to know exactly what it was, no. probably, but but you have to think something happened because it, the timing certainly doesn't make sense. Well, I'm I'm not going to cry over losing Stefan Waite, but it it just seems really really weird. But he here's the thing though, because like, some people might want to say something happened. Stephen Wade did, did something from this interview, like and once again, it's it's an English translation. And actually, I should point out, I'm reading this off Reddit. So very, thank you very much to user Goofer McGoofball, great username, for for, for, for translating this uh, this interview for uh for us. But he definitely doesn't seem like he's disgruntled. Like he's he's first of all, nothing but good things to say about Price. And actually, when he was asked where the problems with Price started, he basically blamed the team he basically said when uh, and I, I think you'll you'll uh, attest to this as a, a goalie for a terrible team yourself uh dustin but uh when we started playing very badly he says in our own zone it was very messy your loss and then at that point goalies start to cheat and we have seen that in the past i remember edmonton goalies always looked like they were terrible but really if you looked it's because they were always cheating to compensate for the terrible defense and and that's what kind of was happening and then you you build bad habits with that right so so that that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then he, he's pretty confident that, that Price can get out of it. He talked about the body language. He he, he, is, he just had good things to say about Price. Basically, the, the body language doesn't mean he doesn't care. He still very much cares about winning. He wants to win in Montreal. So he's not disgruntled. He's I mean, he's being a professional. That's that, that's for sure. I mean, he, but, you know, it does seem like something must have happened. Who knows? But it could also be Bergeron being desperate because you, th- you have to think. We talked about it last week. You have to think that this is – his last hurrah that he's the next head to roll if it doesn't work out. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, he, he made all these moves, he spent the money, you know, he's up against the cap. Now he, I mean, there's a couple of contracts, you know, that aren't coming off the books anytime soon. So if, if this doesn't work out, you're sort of stuck with most of this team aside from maybe Dano and Tatar for the next couple of seasons. So yeah, you, you'd have to think if it doesn't work out here, it's, he's going to be in trouble. All right, and then so let's. I know you said we maybe shouldn't do it anymore, but I think they're fun. So let's uh, let's talk yeah, about uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about uh, predictions. So next next three games. So I don't know exactly when the next podcast is going to be. Actually, the next oh we're playing in the probably evening. Tuesday. Yeah, probably Tuesday because we're playing late games. So we're not going to do a podcast after the 11 p.m. game on on a, on a Wednesday. So there's only two games to talk about here. Uh, so there's again against Winnipeg, uh, and then. Uh, uh, in Vancouver, so Saturday in Winnipeg, like they have to, they have to fucking win. They ha- they can't lose against. No, it's, it's, it's in Montreal. Sorry, you're it's right. I, it's against yeah, yeah, it's it's against Montreal. It's against Winnipeg in Montreal. 
I, I had a bit a bit of a whiskey uh, in the third <laughs> period, so uh, <laughs> uh, they have to win that game. I, I think I think Price is gonna is gonna have a strong strong performance uh, off his strong performance against uh, against Ottawa, having kind of like a fresh coach give him some some ideas, and they're gonna win. They're gonna win in regulation. I'll say three one. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, we keep saying, uh, it feels like every time we do these predictions, like, okay, Carey Price is going to have a big game on Saturday. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. And then he never does. But, uh, no, I definitely agree. This is going to be the week. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say, okay, I, I actually I was going to say 3-1, but, uh, okay, I'm going to say uh, they win 4-0. 4-0. All right, all right. Well, here's the thing. It depends who's goaltend, who's playing in nets for, uh, for, for Winnipeg. Because I don't know if they're going to want to give uh, Hellebuck a rest at, at some point. Uh uh, I, I don't know if they can score four on on uh, on, on on. I mean, uh, although they they did score three. Score three, three tonight. tonight. Yeah, they scored so. three tonight. So you so you never know. Uh, but then uh, fair enough. And then at uh, Vancouver. So we all know how it's been against Vancouver this year, uh, so far. But the Canadians today are not the Canadians that that kind of destroyed the Vancouver Canucks. So I think it's going to be a closer game than we've seen versus Vancouver. But I still think they come out with them. It, it, it's just they just know how to play this team. They, they even with a new coach, you got to think Deshaun's going to know how to play against them. But I think it'll be closer. Uh, I'll say I'll say four to three. Four to three. Yeah, I feel like they're due for a loss against Vancouver. Fair yeah, they enough. definitely do seem to have their number. But yeah, I'm going to say they're going to lose. Uh, it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say whoever's in nets for Vancouver, be it Holtby or Demko, is going to have a really good game. They're going to lose. Uh, let's say two to one. But here, here's the thing. They are playing back-to-back games against Vancouver, and if we were predicting both games, I would also say they're probably. I think they're going to lose one and win one. Uh, yeah. It's it's just pick, pick, pick your poison and which which one is going to be. I mean, they, they're not going to just keep. I mean, they did lose one against Vancouver already, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, earlier in the year. But it was one of those uh, one of those weird games. But I, I see your point. They're due for a loss uh, against Vancouver. I'm going to throw out a big. Uh, I'm going to throw out a bull prediction here. Saturday, Philip Deno scores. Oh wow! <laughs> if you actually believe that's going to happen, you should put some money on it because the odds must be, must be astronomical at this point. Maybe I will. I am a bit of a gambler, as, <laughs> as you know. So maybe a little I will. bit, just a little bit. <laughs> and uh, and then just before we uh we end this, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about there is there's there's been a a, a bit of a uh, I don't know if you want to say rumor. I mean, it was an article in the Athletic about um prospects that might get uh traded uh so there's 16 different prospects two for the montreal Canadiens, and the athletic is obviously a reputable like source you can usually trust the the there are articles one uh was victor mete not surprising there's been rumors about mete we've already talked about it we don't really need to go more into it but the other player that was mentioned and I, I, actually saying there's sources saying that the na- name's been kind of in talks is Jaden struble who's a prospect left defenseman for the montreal Canadiens, and the point here is the Canadians, and we've talked about this, have a plethora of solid young left-handed defensemen in the pipeline. So if they want to make a move, it could make sense. I mean, is it, is this something you can see happening? Would you be disappointed losing Struble? Uh, yeah, well, I'm a little bit surprised to, to hear that about Jaden Struble. I mean, uh, he, he's been fantastic. Uh, this season, he has uh, 11 points in 16 games. Uh, second rounder in 2019. Um, I, I mean, I think probably why his name comes up is that, um, you know, obviously the Canadians drafted Caden Gooley here in the first yeah. round. Um, Who's looked great he, so far, if I'm not mistaken. He was fantastic in Laval. 
Uh, he he was great. Um, he, one of their best defensemen. I mean, he, man, he looks like he can play in the NHL now. He's probably yeah. a, a probably lot better than Toronto. <laughs> And another, and and really a surprise in Laval, I think, is was um, well, obviously because the WHL hasn't been playing yet. They've both left, Caden Gooley and Gianni Fairbrother, who was a third rounder in 2018. He was a huge surprise because he was kind of one of those guys because the Canadians are so close to to the max 50 contracts. Uh, they signed him, uh, and now they're at 48 contracts. Uh, he was a bit of a surprise because he was a bit of on the uh, little on the fence. weren't too sure if he would get a contract because of all the left-handed defensemen. Okay. Um, but he he was fantastic as well. And Joel Bouchard had a lot of great things to say about him. So he was a huge surprise. Ended up getting a contract before he ended up uh, going back to the WHL. Um, so with him getting signed and Gooley, um, you know, maybe that's why Jaden Struble has, uh, his, his, you know, his name's but, out there now. And then there's also Jordan Harris and, yep. uh, Nor- Norlander, right? So w- would you, so I, I think Norlander, you would rank ahead of, uh, Struble, if I'm not mistaken, but would you rank Jordan Harris and Struble? Like wh- wh- who would you rank higher than the other one at that point? Oh man, they're both like they're both very good. Um, you know, it, it's so hard to say. I think I think yeah. Jordan Jaden Struble probably has the highest ceiling okay. out of, and I would say even more than Norlander. Um, I oh, think Norlander is probably the safest prospect. He will definitely play in the NHL. Jordan Harris, he's kind of like a a better Victor Mete. He he's a guy that can play on both sides. He could very well play like sort of like Romanov is right now. He's comfortable on both sides. He plays maybe is even better on the right side, okay. um, even though he's a left-handed defenseman. So I think that flexibility probably helps him out quite a bit too. Um, he's taken especially huge... for the Canadians. Yeah. yeah and Jordan Harris, uh, I think this is actually his last year of university. So he's probably going to be in Laval next year. Okay. Jaden Struble's a project. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's been fantastic the first two years, probably better than uh, a lot of people expected playing at Northeastern, the same team that Jordan Harris plays for. Um, but he's, he's, yeah, he's going to be a long-term project. His, his ceiling is probably the highest, but his floor is definitely the lowest out of them. Um, so he's, you know, he's, he's sort of a boomer bust prospect, but yeah, they have so many right-handed defensemen at this point that left-handed. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, left-handed defenseman. Um, yeah, it, it probably makes the most sense if they are going to move a prospect to move definitely one of the mo- one of the left-handed defensemen. And Jaden Struble maybe makes the most sense, I would think. See, see, that's the thing. Like, we, of course, as fans, we all always tend to have a bit of a attachment to the prospects. You know, you you, you follow them in in junior and university or what what have you, and you kind of you you want them to see them make the jump with the team. And there's nothing worse than seeing the, the player make the jump with. It, it's like you think of like Ryan McDonough when, when who had such a fantastic career in the NHL. That was a, a Habs prospect that never got to play for the for the, the for the Canadians. Not that I think uh Shubel is that level, but you have to understand at some point it's asset management, right? There's just so much left defense and whether it's now or it's in two, three years, there's going to be a point where someone's going to have to be moved. Even if Shubel progresses tremendously, he might not be ahead of Romanov, Guli, and Norlander. That might be your, your your top three on the left side, right? So then he has to move anyway. So uh, it, it, it makes sense. I just don't know what kind of return you can have. Maybe you're just moving it for a, to a, sim- a team that has a similar situation, just a, a prospect move. Or maybe it's a situation where a team's a seller and they want to pick in a prospect for – for for a piece because the Canadians could use a piece. Uh, I mean, I think defense is the biggest. We've talked about the fourth line center being, but I I love Jake Evans. It's just a faceoff center an issue. 
this, there's just a lack, such a lack of a puck moving defenseman on this team. It's it's such a glaring hole. Yeah, I mean, definitely they'd they'd have to get a good player back for Jaden Struble. I mean, I, I would imagine that he'd probably be like part of a part of a package for something. Yeah. I mean, who knows for what? Like you said, I mean, probably a puck moving defenseman makes a lot of sense. A fourth line center is definitely something I think the Canadians are lacking because they need a guy that can, you know, be reliable in the faceoff spot. Um, but I mean, the Canadians have so much depth even I'd now. I feel so bad for Jake Evans though. Like he's yeah. earned his playing time, you know. But then they just go get like some like thirty-five-year-old Nate Thompson type to play to win faceoffs. It just makes it, it would just make you make him feel like you know what what am I supposed to do? But it's the faceoffs, man. They need a faceoff specialist on this team. But I mean, you know, he he could maybe play some on the wing too on That's the true. fourth line. That's true. You know, and and add some extra depth. But I mean, the Canadians have so much even in the organization right now on the left side. That the the Laval Rocket the last two or three games they've been playing with six left-handed defensemen, zero wow. right-handed defensemen. Wow. <laughs> so, so it wouldn't even uh, be a bad move to just <laughs> trade prospect for prospect. Just there must be a team yeah. out there that has too many right-handed defensemen has the opposite uh, issue, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you could definitely do that as well. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not surprised that Jaden Struble's name could uh, could potentially be out there, but uh, he's a valuable asset that you know you'd have to get a pretty good piece back for him for sure. All right, so that pretty much uh, covers it for uh, this week's episode, unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about prospect-wise or rocket-wise. No, no, that was pretty much it. The rocket have been off, uh, well, I don't even remember the last. uh, They've been basically off for like a week now. Their next game is on Monday, so not a whole lot to talk about for the rocket. Perfect. So we'll we'll have rocket news in the next podcast then. Uh, So uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Follow us at the Habs Forum uh, on Twitter. You can always ask him. Ask us uh, some uh, some questions there, and we'll uh, answer them on the podcast. And we'll be back next week, like we said, probably on Tuesday. But once again, at the Habs Home on Twitter to know the drop date of the next episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.